Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency. You're listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go, let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! All right, all right, all right, here we go, here we go. Everybody gather around, gather around, quickly, quickly, quickly. You, 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 you over there. Come on, you guys gotta get close, I'm talking to you. Uh, so I'm gonna pretend to do this episode in front of a live studio audience, so I'm just gathering everybody around here. Come on, you, no, 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 no. No, you don't want to. You don't want to be in this. All right, grab a beer, hang out. All right, guys, let's jump into another episode of Successfully Funded. So first, you might be thinking, why am I listening to this? How did I get here? Who are you? Why are you yelling at me right now? Why are you telling me that there's a crowd of people and pretending that there's, uh, you know, you're doing this in front of a live studio audience? Well, Successfully Funded is a podcast that. I have created through my agency called Woodshed Agency, where we talk to project creators who are running um, crowdfunding campaigns, and we try to talk to them while they're in the middle of a campaign, so that we're getting information like as hot as you can get. Like literally, this is like this is like talking to a, a, a chef who's in a kitchen on a Friday night making dinner, and you're like, "What does it feel like?" So you're getting that information so that you know what to prepare for, um, or you can you know get the the or you can get the most up to date information. So that is why I do this podcast. So now you're probably thinking, all right, well now what, what's, you know, what information am I going to be getting today? Well, should I stick around for the next hour or so and, and, and give, you some, give you my valuable time? I think that answer should be yes, flat out. So today on the episode, I'm talking to, oh my gosh, I just, well, the company is Slick Revolution. Um, and it's Robert... Oh, I lost his last name. That's what I'm, I'm slipping. Simpson. I knew it was Robert Simpson, but I just couldn't commit to it. Robert, I apologize because I'm sure you're going to listen. I remembered who you were. I just couldn't remember your last name. I knew it was Robert from Slick Revolution. So these guys, um, Robert has made a flexi electric longboard. Yeah, that's right. So a skateboard that's electric. Pretty sweet stuff. So you might be thinking, what? You know, why would I want an electric skateboard? But I think it's intriguing. You know, it's again solving transportation issues, getting people out of cars. I mean, I think that's what we're really going for here with the, with the new technologies and batteries, and and getting people to just. I don't need to drive a car to go. You know. A mile away. Maybe there's another solution, and and Robert's working on that, and really got a pretty interesting looking board. They look awesome, really really cool um, wheel combination. So I definitely recommend checking this out. The Kickstarter still has over thirty some days to go here, so you got definitely plenty of time. But but uh, I know Robert would appreciate it if you guys checked it out now. Maybe if you're if you're you or or somebody you know might be interested in getting into the longboard world, uh, I think this would be a great great start to get into. So really cool campaign, great conversation. But I'm teasing that. That's coming up a little bit later. So like always, I got to talk about myself a little bit. So last night, I got my second win in uh, men's slow pitch softball. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, now my crowd here is really ramped up. I mean, they're excited to hear about, yeah, two wins. We got two wins under the belt. Um, my ERA is a little high, though. There's no doubt about that because uh, um, I, got, I got roughed up in my first start yesterday. Pretty bad. Uh, we played a real douchebag team who has a bunch of like douchebags flat out. And, uh, but it's been good. It's been good to get back into the old softball world a little bit here, get that underarm toss going. You know, So pitched a lot of innings yesterday. But like I said, lost one and won one. But exciting stuff, man, to get back out there on the field. What is intriguing, though, is, is I still don't understand, though, why is it that when you know, guys get together, instantly it goes to inappropriate conversations, start, you know, like just <clears throat> aggressive talk. Uh, I just, man, 
I don't have that in me, you know? I think I maybe I did at some point, but I, I, I strongly doubt it, you know? I, I'm not all about, you know, uh, tits and ass, right? That's not, you know, that's not uh, everything I talk about. But boy, I'll tell you what, sometimes you get in a situation, you get that Miller Lite flowing or Bud Light, and that is the topic of conversation, you know? Uh, conquering would be a word that I think could, could, could um, describe the entire environment. So I was in that a lot last night, but maybe that's good for me, you know? Maybe that's good for, uh, for a guy to get out there and... Because, boy, I just, I am, you know, don't really talk like that. Don't really think that way. But, you know, it's out there. I get it. But maybe that also comes from the fact that I've never really been in a, in a corporate, um, you know, uh, you know, big three type environment that's f- so fluid around here. Uh, maybe that's where it runs, runs rapid. You know, I guess, why would I talk like that if I was just sitting at home all day by, you know, with myself, by myself working or in, in small groups of people? So I don't know. So, yeah, that was last night. That was last night. But like I said, pitching, I feel pretty good about my pitching, you know. If you're ever looking for a drop-in softball pitcher, men's slow pitch or co-ed, I'm your guy, man. I can drop that ball wherever you want it. I like to leave it a little bit short. Sometimes that really gets people out reaching, you know, that, that induces a lot of pop-ups. Or if we play people, you know, we, we put them close to the line, I'll pitch inside or outside depending on the type of batter. Yeah, I can put that ball where you want it, man. I guess that's a skill set, huh? Put that on the old resume. I can play men's slow pitch softball. I am a pitcher. Yep. So I got my I got my, my arm on ice today since I pitched a doubleheader yesterday. Um, so I can be back ready to go next week and keep that keep these updates flowing as as we're doing as 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 I'm pitching. So let's go back. Let, let's talk another thing about. We've got our ask me anything podcast idea, right? Which is blowing me away a little bit. Um, what you got to do if you want to participate is you just have to text me, 248-264-3464. Now, you should run, grab a piece of paper. I'm going to give you a minute. All right, now come back, write it down. Text me at 248-264-3464. Got that number? You can rewind the podcast, rewind it. You write that down and text me whatever you want to text me about crowdfunding. So we've been doing this now for the last few weeks, and every week I'm getting a couple couple, com- couple questions, a couple comments, um, and most of them have been great. So I uh, got a question yesterday from a guy named Robert, not the Robert who is on the podcast, but a guy named Robert texted me, and he asked me, what is the most important tool that I'm using right now? And I mean, and, and yet, you know, he wants it, I think, as up-to-date as possible, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know. I think it's actually this tool called UpViral, U-P-V-I-R-A-L.com, UpViral.com. So we're running giveaways right now for, for a couple clients, um, and we're trying to keep our giveaways between $300, $500, or either a free whatever the product is, right? So we've got a couple of them going right now. If you want to check it out, actually, you can go to HubChair.com, or you can go to AquaCara.com. That's uh, A-Q-U-A. K-A-R-A.com. You can check out both of those. You can see how UpViral is working. And uh, it's a, so it's a point system. So the more that you share um, or the more that you get people to sign up through your referral code, you, get, you earn points that ultimately will hopefully you know, win, win the prizes or win a gift card or whatever we've set up. 
it's really working like gangbusters. We kind of thought at first, you know, who, who's really going to do this? You know, who, who's going to be incentivized by points? But it's been, I mean, it's been blowing away. Just yesterday alone, in one day, we had 48 signups. Uh, we had over 37, uh, 37 shares uh, through Facebook, Twitter, uh, Pinterest, Google+. Plus. I mean, you know, that's, that's getting into other networks. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, 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 the whole goal of this, right? So how do we get past just your own network or just pay-per-click? That's what we're trying to get into. How do we get into more news feeds without having to pay? And so far, I mean, literally, this information I'm giving you right now is about 48 hours old. It's, it's been going off like gangbusters. Both, both my clients we've launched. We have run, Facebook ads running, simple landing page. The sign-up is to this giveaway, um, and we're just seeing people doing it. So I, I, I got to say, after a, a couple days, now I'll, I'll check back in in a, in a few weeks. Maybe this information will, will completely change. But as of right now, UpViral is a tool that we're using that has seemingly really helped. Now, when we run giveaways, I'll tell you something we're looking for behind the scenes, though. You know, we want to make sure that we're getting people that are signing up that we think will be a consume, you know, will consume the product, right? So we want to make sure that we're not just giving away a free iPad because my son wants an iPad. That doesn't mean he's going to want to buy your um, laundry thing or whatever it might be. You're welcome, Matt, for your home. So we want to definitely make sure that that giveaway is tar- is 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 focused and targeted on an audience that we think is going to buy this. Because again, if we're getting that email address, the worst thing that happens is we get a b- bunch of people un- unsubscribing after we send out that first uh, kind of information email. So yeah, so that's the mindset behind it. Right now, I got to tell you, it's working. It feels pretty good. Um, a lot of high fives were going around yesterday. Um, so yeah, if you're thinking about running a campaign, I definitely uh, definitely recommend checking it out, man. You know, yeah. Tell um, them I sent you. That would be nice. All right, all right, all right, all right. So that's what's going on around here. Now remember too, if you are interested in learning more about Woodshed or whatever it is, make sure you go sign up for our mailing list. Um, you're going to get good quality stuff, man. And you're going to probably get overwhelmed a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I like to send out a lot of stuff. I like to communicate. But I think there's some pretty good stuff there. If you're enjoying the podcast, I got to keep reminding everybody, go tell people. You know, if you, if you want this podcast to blow up, which, you know, get this information into more people's hands. I need, I need your help. Go tell friends, family. Go tell people to go check it out. Uh, I'd appreciate that. And um, okay. All right. Let's go kick my conversation with, with Robert. And let's go ahead and talk about some uh, electric longboards. Here we go. Well, the, red, the red light's on. The recording has happened. We are we are starting this thing off. All right. So uh, so Robert, let's start off with like maybe a quick little sound check here. Um, so what w- what would you tell somebody that has, would have no idea that you you know that this is what you're like? Like what is what is one thing that nobody knows about you that uh, that you could share? That's an interesting one for a sound check. I thought you could ask me what I had. <laughs> What I had for breakfast, I'd got that See? <laughs> I think I saw the other day that you, you might have clicked on a link. And I was like, well, I don't want to start with that breakfast one. That's getting old now. <laughs> Damn, I'd prepared that question. <laughs> um, something that nobody knows about me. Uh, I can ride a unicycle. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's a great nobody one. Nobody knows about that, that about me. Not a lot of people know that, but okay, yeah. it's not like a weird secret I've kept from everybody. Right, right. There's no U- is there YouTube videos of you doing this? Are you teaching courses on it? Anything like that? No, no. Just um, I got one. I got one when I was 14 for my birthday, and uh, just something a bit different, I suppose. 
That's cool. That's an interesting gift. Uh, who got that for you? Uh, I think it was from my dad. I think it was my. I think he got it from my brother, and then we sort of. It was a bit of a race, a race to see who could learn it first. Really, right now, is that the type of gift that kind of is like trying to push you into like being in the circus, or like, hey, you should get this like skill set and, and go run away and be in the circus? I mean, it's an I interesting think, gift. <laughs> I think that's what it was. It, my dad didn't get me a, a business book or anything like that. He got me right. right. <laughs> I'm not sure what is. All right, cool. I'm not sure there was a hidden message. Yeah, in yeah, that gift, but. <laughs> Well, let's, uh, all right, I think everything sounds good to me. So let's, let's go ahead and kick it off. So why don't you tell my listeners uh, what you are currently raising money for on Kickstarter? So we are raising money for the FlexiBoard. It's an electric skateboard, um, which has, it's got flexible wheels. Sorry, it's got a flexible deck and it's got interchangeable rough stuff wheels. And it was basically designed for riding on bad roads which in the uk most of them are bad roads so so yeah that's that's what it is it's a, it's a, cool. a whole new style of electric skateboard that's cool so are, i mean are you a skateboarder like like how did you get into uh, making a skateboard so i can't confess to being a skateboarder but i am now that i've started my business so <laughs> right so slick revolution <laughs> is the name of my business and it started about three years ago now i was traveling traveling in australia and i saw uh, some people riding past on longboards, but they weren't kicking off, and and I'd not seen them before. And I I had myself down as a a gadget, fairly clued up on tech kind of person, and right. and I'd not seen these before. So I did a little research and found there was only a few companies um, doing well with electric skateboards, and I took the business from there really. Um, outsourced production to China, got talking to manufacturers, that kind of thing. And then, so I'd been selling sort of base models that were fairly um, standard models for a couple of years. And then it was just over a year ago that I had the confidence that I knew what the market wanted mm-hmm. and, you know, had the um, idea to create my own design and push that forwards um, and launch on Kickstarter, really. Yeah, that's cool. So, I mean, is there like a now? Granted, I'm not a skateboarder, and uh, you know, I, I I do very little things on wheels. So, uh, is there like a um, like a strong community or like a purist community who would look at this and go, "Uh, uh-uh, man, that's not skateboarding." Is, is is that out there at all? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, lots of skateboarders and longboarders look at them and think, "Well, why why would you want that? Why would you not want to push?" That's what skateboarding is all about. But the difference between between the skateboards and and these electric boards is that these can ride sort of twelve miles at twenty five mile an hour, so they're absolutely perfect for commuting or going down the shops or just riding along the beachfront. Um, yeah, as opposed to taking them to the skate park, doing tricks and stuff like that. So it's a different kind of use, but there definitely is that. Um, elitist community among skateboarders but then again a lot of the boards i sell at the moment are to people who've never skateboarded before so it's kind of a whole new market in itself it's not sort of stealing from another market so to speak sure 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 so you know so outside of you know maybe you know going through australia stuff is this something that you had envisioned kind of growing up or anything like that or like you know did you always want to want to build something like this or is just happenstance that you started building these type of things well, it's it's well, it's quite interesting, really. I I went to university 
Uh, it was a, it's a small agricultural university in rural Shropshire in in the UK, and I trained. Oh, I was reading um, rural enterprise and land management, and so my third year was a sandwich year, and that was where I was working on placement over at the other side of the country in Suffolk, working for a rural surveyors doing land valuations and commercial tenancies and all that kind of thing. And I just, the job wasn't too bad, but I just didn't enjoy working for somebody else. Right. And there was always points where I said, you know, I think I can do this better, but you weren't allowed to and you couldn't stick your neck above the water and be heard kind of thing. So I'd, I'd got an idea that I wanted to start my own business and I was. It was only until I was traveling in Australia that I had the idea of what it could be. Really, mm. I'd explored different options with microbreweries. I know microbreweries are quite big in the US at the moment. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They're huge in the UK, and we're sort of reaching saturation point. So I actually did my university dissertation on microbreweries as a business, and and I'm glad I did because I found it not to be that viable anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're they're. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, we've got them popping up like. Every small town has one now. And at some point it's like, eh, okay, you know, there's only so many different pale ales you could drink. So. Exactly. But the market's so crowded now. It's great for the consumer because we've got so much choice, but for the people making the beer, they're having to discount it and yep. you know, just try and get into pubs and bars. And it's a difficult market. So that kind of went out the window and then saw these bars in Australia, did my research and sort of took it from there really. So it was it was always a plan to have my own business, but not necessarily I didn't know where that was going to be up until it happened really that's cool that's cool it's, it's it's always intriguing how somebody like falls into what they're working on. I always love those stories of just like when you know when you just kind of see something and you're just like yeah that there's a market there you know let me just let me let me go to that so that's cool so so what was kind of the first step after you you know you realized that you wanted to work on this you know you know, how, how do you, how does somebody just start? I mean, even though you see it and just how, what's kind of those first steps in terms of researching and, and, and put this all together. So I've got a few boards that I sell at the moment. The first step was I have a, I have a friend who has a business. He sells kayaks and vibration plates, all sorts. And he sources them from China. Mm-hmm. I got in touch with him. He put in, me in touch with some people in China who source products basically So I found from my market research that a lot of the boards out there were, they were either manufactured in America or Australia. And that meant that the board started around sort of $1,400, $1,500. And then at the other end of the spectrum, there was um, $200, $300 boards available on eBay, all of them with terrible reviews and the break after a week and all that kind of thing that, that comes with the territory of a product that cheap. So I knew that if I could make a board that sort of sat in between those but had the quality and the specification of the higher end but not the price tag by being made in Australia or America, then I'd have I'd be onto a, a viable product really. Yeah. Um so I bought a few boards from different manufacturers in China after negotiating with them and speaking with them and working out what they're all about kind of thing. Bought a few boards, tested them to, to death. Um, found out which was the best, found out which was the best factory to work with, and then just took it from there, really. I mean, a lot of people ask me if I ever visited China, 
Um, no, I didn't. It's all done via email and Skype. Well, how, how, like, like, what types of questions do you ask in that? Like, how do you vet that sort of process? I mean, considering I've never been to China, I've never brought a product to market. So, like, what what, what questions are you asking? How, 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 you know, I just feel like that's just such a huge leap for a lot of people to take. You know, like, yes, yeah, but I suppose it is. I mean, initially, my business started quite small, and my first order was, I think, it was twenty five boards, hmm. um, and then I sold them and increased the order. So you're kind of building trust as you go along. Um, I would say to anybody outsourcing production to China, and obviously a lot of people with new Kickstarters do do that because that's, that's where you get things manufactured. If, if you want to save on cost um, is use a, use a reputable sourcing company. Um, They can act as the middleman. They have people who speak Chinese and English both very well. And, um, it sort of avoids that Chinese whispers, if you like, of misinterpreting what you're saying right. in an email right. or that kind of thing can slow things down massively if, if something's misunderstood. Um, but going through them, it's it's relatively straightforward. Um, well, the kind of questions I was asking initially, I was, the sourcing company do sort of verification checks on the company and check that they're all registered stuff, stuff that you just wouldn't have a clue how to do right, right um you know from the uk um they go visit the manufacturers and check um check how they work and that they're a reputable company and all those kinds of things um and i suppose you just take it from there i mean it was a long time before i got in touch with the factory and i placed the first order you wouldn't believe how many emails go back and forth to get to that point. Right. Um, but I suppose you're just building trust. They want your business and they sort of realize the more that you grow, the more they can grow and that kind of thing. So yeah. it was kind of a steep learning curve talking to manufacturers at the other side of the world and seeing how they work. But I suppose you just take it one step at a time, really. So maybe this is just who you are as a person, but what was... I mean, it just seems like there could be so much fear behind that and, and that vulnerability to go out and start asking questions that you just don't know. Like, like, is that something that you just think that you have as a, in your personality or, you know, how did you muster that up to kind of start sending those emails and, 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 you know, possibly get so you know, those 20 boards that you ordered could have been garbage. They could have just been awful. Right. Like, like how, how did you just kind of muster through all that? I suppose. Yeah. It's, it was a scary moment when I, when I, um, made the first payment um, and that money disappeared out of my bank account. And, <laughs> right. and they Let's said, go to yeah. China. And then they said, Bye. yeah, they'll be, they'll be there in 10 weeks. Um, <laughs> we'll let you know kind of thing. Yeah. It was scary, but then I guess you have to put as much quality control and damage limitation steps in place at every stage, which not only helps set your mind at ease, but make sure you you get what you ordered basically. So using a third party company, they go to the factory, they do an inspection, um, sort of mid assembly or mid manufacturing. They do one post manufacturing and, you know, they send you photos and documents saying, look, it's been made. It's exactly how it's meant to be made. If it's not, we're not going to pay the factory kind of thing. So there's lots of steps you put in place to make sure that you get what you paid for, but it's certainly a big, probably the biggest step in the business is actually placing that first order and uh, crossing your fingers slightly. That's cool. So, so where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in West Yorkshire, um, up in the north of England, rainy, cold. 
Um, and now I'm just moving to Southampton, which is on the south coast. Oh yeah, what, what, what's bringing you down there? Oh, my, my girlfriend works down here, so women. It's always women. It's always women moving us around the country. And, yeah, the things you do for love, they say, don't they? Uh, yeah, there's a few things I've done for love. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So, like, uh, so what did your parents do uh, when you were growing up? So my dad, he's a police inspector, and my mom is she does um, part-time accountancy and cycle coaching. Okay, what, what is she that? Does, she actually does my accounts for me as well. Oh, that's that's nice. That's a bonus. Yeah. What, what, what was the second job? Psych. What'd you say? A cycle cycle, co- cycle coach, teach it, teaching um, children to ride. Oh, oh, gotcha. Cool, cool. That's 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 interesting. So then, I guess. Where's the entrepreneur spirit that's that 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 nipped you? I'm not I'm not sure to be honest. Yeah, I mean, okay. Um, there was it's interesting, really. There was myself, my friend Will, and my friend Al. We all went to the same secondary school or high school, um, and we were friends together, and we used to muck about together. And then we all actually went to the same university. And we, we were all sort of um, planning on this microbrewery since we started university. And then Will started his own business because he finished a year earlier than me. And then my friend Al, he runs a, a micro bar down in down in um, Dorset. And so there was us three who were, we were all kind of hell-bent on having our own businesses and having that sort of lifestyle of not the nine-to-five grind, but the... Sure. Not necessarily a shorter working day, but being your own boss, and it was kind of those two who pushed me, really. I suppose. Um, Sounds like some good peer pressure. Yeah, I think so. It's been it's been good for us. It's it's quite strange that all three of us have our own businesses and have been friends forever. Really, it's it's a bit bizarre, but I think I think those two, those two guys, and what and my placement year that just I didn't enjoy working for somebody else. I think that was the biggest factor, really. I mean, I'd had jobs before, but not as long term as that. Right, right. It just, it, I think that it was that was one of the factors that drove me to want to work for myself, whether it was successful or not, or grew really quickly, or just ticked along. You know, I'd, I'd be happy working for myself, doing something I enjoy, than toiling for somebody else. You know, doing something I don't enjoy. Right, and how about your support system? I mean, is the girlfriend supportive of of, uh, of being the entrepreneur spirit? Is uh, how, how's that? Oh yeah, definitely. She um, she's really supportive of the business. She comes and helps me at shows. I mean, she has her own career. She works in the NHS um, while she's, she's doing a masters at the same time. But she's uh, yeah, she's definitely helps me out with the business and uh, supports me when times are tough and supports me when times are good as well. So <laughs> right, right. That's good. That, that, that's great. So you know, what was kind of over the last few years here? What was there a major roadblock or pivot that you just couldn't do something that you wanted to that you wanted to do? Um, I'm not sure what you mean, what you mean exactly. So, um, so, like, you know, in this whole, you know, <clears throat> did you want to make the wheels this type of way? We couldn't do it because cost, or was there any sort of like major hindrance that you just couldn't do what you wanted to do? Um, not really. There's always kind of smaller things um which are tricky to work out and for example i mean the price of the new the new board 
Um, it's crept up and up slightly as we've introduced more sort of characteristics. And the two major components that are new on it are the wheels and the battery case. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that um, they, they, they require the new moulds, which is the reason I started the Kickstarter. Um, I think something I've learned over the last few years of working with manufacturers in China is that you have to sort of limit your expectations everything is possible and you can get anything manufactured in china but for a price mm-hmm. and so if you push if you push too hard or negotiate too hard or try things that are sort of beyond their skill level in manufacturing then two things happen either the price goes way up or the quality goes way down right. and so things like that there's always slight things that we have to overcome um the grip tape for example it it was too expensive to do it in two or three parts we were going to have a uh different basically a different grit so it wasn't as wasn't as rough on the inside and then rougher on the outside and and it was too difficult for them to do that at the price we wanted it so we had to change tack slightly there so that's always a slight difficulties is is that kind of thing and especially for a product like this it's got quite a lot of parts to it Mm-hmm. all those parts come at a price and you know yeah some products are dead simple and it's quite easy to change them on negotiate the price and that kind of thing but but for something like this that's probably a, a bit of a, a difficulty is yeah keeping the price low but wanting to have to have top quality but we're still in that price bracket that we set out to stay with um when the business started and, and kind of following up to that question, I mean, what's the moment that maybe this thing all came together that you really knew you had something? I don't know if it's just the first boards that you you were holding them or, you know, was was there just a moment where you're like, yeah, this is something we should definitely keep pursuing this. Was there any moment like that? I think when we, we got the first prototype, um, so we've, we've not paid for the molds. We've not paid for the molds yet, but we have basically paid for a very expensive um it's basically a silicon mold and they can make thing make prototypes of as a one off rather than in, in mass manufacture so we have a prototype of what the wheels and the the battery case will look like exactly which it meant that the the sample board cost about $1500 um but we had to have that to make the video um take all the photos all that kind of thing but i think when that box arrived in the post and we had the first prototype and I took it for a ride and it worked and it functioned exactly how it had been designed. I think that was the moment I thought, yeah, we've got something special here and this is going to do well. That's very cool. Well, let's flip over a little bit to the actual Kickstarter. So, um, so you had a, you have a pretty modest goal, um, and you still have 38 days to go here and you've already, you've already crushed your goal and you obviously are, are really upticking here right now. So what was kind of a, like, why did you go to Kickstarter, I guess? Like, how did Kickstarter become part of the conversation when you were going for funding? Well, in fact, when I was, I was, so the story started when I was filming, we were filming in London for some of our current boards and we were carrying them around London and they weigh about seven or eight kilos. And so they're not too heavy, but after you've carrying them under your arm for a while, they become a little bit heavy. And then I thought there has to be a better solution for carrying the board. And so I came up with the idea for, it's called Deck Hook. And and I'd spoken to some friends about kickstarting stuff or crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. And they said we should launch 
the deck hook, as I didn't, you know, this brand new invention of mine on Kickstarter, that's a brand new invention and it's taken quite a lot of time to sort of get the, to, to find a manufacturer for it um, and get the first samples. So it really came from off the back of that Kickstarter, which we're hopefully launching in July, that I should use uh, crowdfunding to launch the FlexiBoard, really. I'd initially planned to launch it just through my website, but I thought, well, I'll, you know, it's my first design. Why not validate it on Kickstarter right. and, you know, take take away that risk of, you know, paying for expensive molds and nobody wants to buy it kind of thing. You know, that's the whole idea, basically. So I thought, well, I've got nothing to lose. The worst we'll get out of it is I've lost a little bit of money, but it saved me a lot in the long run, so... I mean, it's, it, it's funny how that mindset a lot of creators don't have the proving viability and 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 using Kickstarter as just a you know a, a, a tool in the in the uh, the toolbox, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd initially not thought of using it really, but there's it is a big risk, you know. I mean, it, for, for an item like this. The, the molds for the wheels and the battery case, they're quite expensive because they're quite big. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just wanted to prove that people would want to buy it, basically. Right. I mean, I'd got my two years of selling current boards and I, I knew that it would sell. So I suppose I was in a different position to some Kickstarters or creators where they have a brand new product and they've got sort of no market knowledge and then they launch it. Um, I had a lot more confidence that it would sell. Um, but still, I wanted to minimize the risk of, you know, paying for all those molds that, sure. for a product that wouldn't sell, you know, something else might come along that's very similar or you never know what will happen. So proving that viability is, I think that's the number one, um, benefit of using crowdfunding. Right. So, you know, so what kind of marketing strategy did you put together and, and like, when did you start that? before you launched this campaign? So the design for the FlexiBoard started about a year ago, and then it was only about three months ago, three months before the campaign started, that I'd decided, yeah, we're going to use crowdfunding. So I'd, I'd explored the options of Kickstarter versus Indiegogo and went with Kickstarter. Um, just because... Well, I think it has a lot of benefits over Indiegogo, and it's certainly in the UK. Flex um, Kickstarter's a lot, a lot bigger. Yep, um, you made the right choice. Yeah, I mean, I got I had I had Indiegogo on the phone persuading me, and they are sort of creeping up on the market, mm-hmm. but it's not as reputable as Kickstarter. Um, and I think Kickstarter's still the way to go um, for crowdfunding at the moment. Um, Sorry, what was the question again? I've, I've waffled. Oh, just, just, was, it, was there like a, a marketing strategy or an overall goal That's that you were kind of putting together? So typically um, people use sort of Jeff Walker's crowdfunding techniques and um, build a huge email list through advertising and that kind of thing. But we were slightly lucky in that our previous marketing for Slick Revolution, we'd got in contact with a lot of YouTubers. And so we had them posting video you know we'd either do a deal where we send them a board for free and they will write it and feature it in their vlogs or they'll do a review or an, an unboxing everyone's seen them on youtube so we were we were lucky enough that we had uh, sort of four or five youtubers on board with us and were happy to work with us 
um, prior to the launch of the FlexiBoard. So our marketing differed slightly to other campaigns where you'd spend a lot of money on Facebook advertising and um, collecting emails and that kind of thing. We were lucky enough that we could have those those YouTubers posting videos about the FlexiBoard. So we sent the, the, the prototype model around um, different YouTubers over the past few weeks, and it's still going around them in the UK at the moment, and they're posting videos about it. So that's how we went about it, is making videos um, through YouTubers and using that kind of thing. Of course, we had quite, we've got quite a big social media following already through our current business, so... <laughs> We also had that that we didn't necessarily need to build on. Um, right. and when, when you when finding those YouTube uh, influencers, how how did you go and find them? Was there a tool that you might have used, or did you just know these people just from the the scene, or how did you approach them? Um, so there's a good tool on online called Social Blade. It's a website that sort of ranks YouTubers in terms of popularity by sports or vloggers and then it does it by country by number of plays subscriber list whatever it might be you can sort of sift through them it's basically a google for youtubers that's a really useful tool for finding them but the best thing i did was going on youtube and looking up electric skateboard comparisons or that kind of thing and then just finding people you know they say you go down a youtube hole where you you click a video, then you watch another and another, and yep, yep. in two hours' time, you're watching yeah. cats playing or whatever. <laughs> right, right. I, you kind of kind of do that really, and just find ones that would be suitable for you, and then just send them an email and say, you know, look, I've got these cool boards. We you can we can send you one for free, or you can we can give you a coupon to give to your viewers, whatever it might be. But just reach out to them, and some of them reply, some of them aren't bothered, some of them say we want two thousand pound. Right. per minute and some are happy to work with you but some are happy just to have um have free stuff and some are happy to just be able to feature quite a hot a hot topic i suppose right. um on their channel really so <clears throat> i've talked to a couple people uh from the uk who, who've, who've done campaigns what has the um conversion rate been doing for your business, this campaign, your just your numbers, shipping. What, what, what's been going on there? Do you mean in terms of my current business? Yeah, like like in terms of the the pound is is I oh, know, right, yeah. you know, and and you know, having to ship it to the United States and having it cost you what it costs, and and you know, is that something that that you're currently working through, or, or, or you know, just kind of what's the vibe around that? Yeah, so it's been it's been quite tricky, I suppose. I mean, when I when I placed my first order, the dollar was one point five five to the pound, mm-hmm. and now it's at one point two nine, and at one point it was at one point one nine. Um, it's changed things slightly, but then everyone's in the same boat. Um, in terms of shipping, I mean, we've sold most of the boards to the UK and Europe, where shipping's quite cheap for us. Oh, okay. But get them get them over to the US. It is a bit of a a stumbling block uh, and a bit of a, a barrier to to backers because it you know it is quite expensive. It's sort of eighty, well about about hundred dollars per board really. Wow. Um, so it's quite expensive, um, and I think that that is putting a lot of people off. But then our, our main market is in the UK and Europe. So and is that, that is that is that just 
just because of where you are or do you envision really trying to get to the United States or Australia or, or other countries in general? I think for the moment, geographically where we are, uh, it's easier to deal with returns and repairs. And one, one thing that's helped build my business for the last three years is the customer support I can offer. Mm-hmm. If someone has a problem, I can send them a new controller the next day or wh- whatever it might be. So I think to maintain that level of customer service, moving to America, you might sort of lose that. Um, and I think for now, you know, my business is relatively small, but I think consolidating and making a bigger impact in Europe and the UK is more important now than before we move to uh, trying to get more US sales. I mean, electric skateboarding is a lot bigger in the US. Um, and we are talking with a couple of videography companies over there at the moment about getting some stuff made over there. But for now, it's doing well over here um, and we can maintain that level of uh, customer care and service, really. So I think we're going to sort of focus over here at least for the next year or so. That's cool. So, you know, so with 38 days to go and, you know, basically doubling your goal, what's kind of the strategy now um, just to keep the momentum going, just, you know, just to keep this constantly bringing in backers? What's the mindset? So we had, we had about three YouTubers posting videos on the day of the launch, which helped us get a big boost of people coming and finding about the project um, and the campaign. We've had a video posted about an hour ago. It was a, a freestyle footballer who was doing tricks and right while he was riding the new board. Um, we've got the boards out with another YouTuber in London called Gadgets Boy. He should be posting a video soon. And we, we're sort of bouncing it between YouTubers until the campaign ends really and getting those videos out. And I feel like we've not had a, a single backer today. And we, I think we're in the sort of, not the plateau, but the... Uh, the middle section of the graph where it sort of creeps along slowly until we get to the last week. Right. The trough um, of despair, we call it. Yeah. We're just, <laughs> just, um, just ticking along and keeping going with social media. And, and then I guess there's not a lot you can do. We're not looking to spend a vast amount of money on Facebook advertising and that kind of thing. Um, but did yeah, you have, I mean, did you have any sort of pay-per-click? A strategy, either Reddit ads or Facebook ads. Have you have you been running them to this point? Uh, we did some Facebook ads, um, but they proved relatively unsuccessful. Really, I mean, a lot of Kickstarters are what you call um, what do they call them? The uh, sort of a small item that you don't really think about buying. Just an imp- an impulse buy. Impulse buy. Yeah. Oh, that's that's cool. I'm going to buy that. It cost me thirty dollars. That's fine. That's that's a cool project. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our boards start at £600, sort of $750. So yeah. they're not necessarily an impulse buy. And so I think that's perhaps where the Facebook advertising has not gone perhaps as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, we might experiment with some different marketing. We we were in GQ magazine, a big magazine over here in the UK. Oh, that's cool. Um, but YouTube's working really well for us at the moment. I mean, yeah. people are kind of sick of adverts on Facebook mm-hmm. and clickbait adverts and clickbait thumbnails. And I think it's becoming less and less effective as it becomes a more and more crowded marketplace. But particularly right. for our boards, people want to see them being ridden. And so using YouTube and people actually riding them and people seeing the favorite vloggers and bloggers, you know, out and about riding them, I think that's proved more effective than 
Facebook might have, you know? Yeah. I, I think it's, I think each campaign is a little bit different. Some, some campaigns just, you know, thrive on Facebook ads and some need a little bit more nurturing and loving. And, and, uh, yeah, I think it just, it just all depends a little bit. So, you know, after 38 days and you know, the money, the money comes in from Kickstarter or whatever it is, a couple of weeks after what, what starts your next step? What do you start doing? So we've been quite bold and we've actually gone ahead and paid for the molds. Um, now that we've reached our goal, um, we're lucky enough that because we sell our current range of boards, we have some money in the bank that we can afford to do that. Um, we we understand that people on Kickstarter are happy and backers are happy to wait. Um, you know, sometimes six months, a year, even even more. You know, they're happy to wait for the products, and they understand that. Um, they understand that there is a delay, and it is you know, it's not a, a mass manufactured ready to go item. But then again, we wanted to get them out there as soon as we can. Our business is growing. We want to get certainly get them out to people before Christmas. Um, so we've moved ahead with the first stage of the molds, but we'll need the final part, obviously, to pay for the production of the boards themselves. Um, but yeah, the next stage really is to um, get them out there, get them out there to people, and and start promoting them even more. Really. Cool. So, you know, in terms of your business, like, what does scale look like for you? I mean, where, where, what does this look like um, if you were to scale up your ideas and your, and your company right now? Scalability for this, I mean, this, we're releasing the dual motor version um, on Kickstarter now, which is the one that you see on the page. We'll be v- launching a new version. Um, which will be the single motor version, which will be not have as much power, but it'll have a lot more range. We'll be looking to release that towards Christmas, and that'll be sort of included in the, the order from the manufacturers with these ones. Um, but in terms of scalability, it's just really getting this board out here. We've sort of proven that this is what the market wants. It's just getting people to hear about it. And again, we'll be working with YouTubers. Um, we've got a few across Europe as well that who are wanting to work with us, so... Just getting it out there. I mean, Kickstarter's great for that. But then again, they say you sort of do 75% of your advertising from what you do yourself, and then you get the extra as a bit of a bonus from uh, people finding you on Kickstarter. Um, but really just... Do you envision it. using Kickstarter to like keep launching products? Like, would, you know, Do you just keep kind of see yourself keeping going back to this well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've got some ideas for the next Kickstarter already. Um, we wouldn't want to do one that's a slight, a slight iteration of this board. It'll have to be quite a different design. Um, but I think definitely it's a great way to um, to launch to launch products, and it, it really helps with our business. And a lot of businesses will find that when you're purchasing from China, unless you have those orders well ahead of time, which is very unlikely, then cash flow is a real problem so you know we're placing an order for the boards we're paying for them they take a month six weeks to manufacture and then six weeks to get here so you're not actually getting any cash in for sort of three months which is where kickstarter is really nice because you're getting the cash in before you've paid for the order so you can focus on other aspects of your business and advertising and that kind of thing and other places money can go right 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 that's that's intriguing that that's uh yeah, I, I didn't think about that sort of cycle 
of shipping and ordering and Kickstarters and not being able to sell. That, that's, a, that's a very intriguing uh, thing there. So wh- where do you see, I mean, you're, you're a bit of a transportation company now. So where do you see battery technology going? Um, and, and then on top of that, where do you see Slick Revolution being five to 10 years from now? Um, so when I started the business, it was something I'd noticed in doing my research about electric skateboards. Everyone had seen the sort of the petrol um, sort of mountain boards that were around years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people started moving to electric ones. And that was when they had big lead acid batteries. And even even three years ago, some of the boards I purchased had lead acid batteries in them. And they work fine, but they're big and they're really heavy and they can leak and they've got a short life. Lithium-ion batteries are increasing in power and voltage and they're just more efficient and getting smaller and better and cheaper. Um, So it's only in the last few years that electric skateboards have really become um, viable and can appeal at a price point to the mass market really same with motors um all these things that you know wireless technology that's that connects the remote to the the board all these things have sort of come down in price over the last few years and so it's meant that we can it because you know it's become a viable product really right um yeah, so in the future, I think it can only get better. I think batteries only get smaller and more powerful. We could we could move to more lithium-ion polymer batteries and these graphene batteries on the horizon and that kind of thing. I you know I see the world has to rely on electricity soon enough. Yeah, um, electric cars are becoming more and more popular. Um, electric a lot of people riding electric bikes. So I can only see that. They become more and more popular as time goes on. The price comes down, and you know, technology improves. In five to ten years, I'd like to see Slick Revolution as a dominant force and up there with some of the big boys in the electric skateboard market. But in terms of um, the actual electric skateboard market, in five to ten years, I I can't imagine where it'll be. Um. Just in the rate that technology is increasing, it's if you look at motors and batteries from ten years ago, you know you couldn't have imagined having a board like this today. So, right. well, do, you, do you imagine staying in just skateboards, or do you do you envision maybe at some point you would get into bikes, or you know, I don't even you know, cargo bikes, just whatever it might be. Do you, like is that something, or you just envision that you're really in in the skateboarding community or longboard community type of vibe? I think. Definitely stick with skateboards. Um, when I started the business, I had obviously seen the skateboards in electric skateboards in Australia, and I sort of had this plan of doing an electric vehicle company. And so we experimented with a few scooters. Um, we didn't venture into electric bikes because there's quite a lot of good people doing them. But yeah. I, th- I wanted to be this sort of electric, um, you know, alternative electric vehicle business, but. As time went on, I realized, actually, if you focus your attention and find your niche, um, you can do a lot better, and people sort of respect you and your knowledge more. You know, they can ring me up and ask me anything about electric skateboards, and people prefer that than a sort of a a holistic business that's not sort of as focused on its brand and message of why, you know, electric skateboards are awesome kind of thing. So 
So yeah, I think we'll we'll stick on electric skateboards for now. Unless anything changes, we'll. Uh, I think they're the way forward, really. That's cool. That's cool. Well, where can um, people find more info on uh, the FlexiBoard uh, besides Kickstarter and maybe just Slick Revolution in, in your company? Where, where can people find uh, more about you? So Slick Revolution, uh, we've got our website, obviously, slickrevolution.co.uk. Um, and then we've got a dedicated um, flexiboard website, which is electriclongboards.co.uk. So we bought, we bought another domain um, just so that, um, well, basically, because we've got lots of boards um, in stock at the moment and we didn't want to change our entire website to buy this Kickstarter and then be left with a load of stock kind of thing. So we've got a separate domain that's dedicated to the flexiboard um, and besides the Kickstarter, that's the place to go. Um, that's got plenty of videos on there and that kind of thing. Cool. Awesome. Well, Robert, we did it. We did it. We knocked out an episode. Perfect. <laughs> Man, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. And, uh, uh, I think this is a really cool product and uh, I think you have some great stories there and, and, uh, good entrepreneur spirit, man. I love it. So good stuff here. Thanks ever so much. It's been really good to talk to you. Excellent. Well, thanks so much, man. No problem. Thank you. Bye. All right. How about that conversation with Robert? That's that's an entrepreneur spirit, man. I love I love the the, the stories, the um, the mentorship, the kind of the brotherhood amongst his three friends, kind of getting together and just wanting to have a startup. So really cool stuff here. Song we're listening to. A song called "The Finer Things." You're featuring a, a vocalist named Unique out of uh, Chicago. Uh, she's one of our singers back in the days for the for the Sugar People. And uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a song about all living about the fi- the finer things in life. So. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, hope you guys all had a great week. Great week. Uh, have a great weekend that's coming up, and uh, I will talk to you all on Monday.
Blinded by the 